Jonathan. Come I keep on. forgetting it. It's Master of Fun. Master of Fun. I he can't doesn't remember. know the name of our <laughs> podcast. Welcome to another episode of Master of Fun yes. Podcast. I had to do the intro because Jonathan can't remember the name. I kept, I kept forgetting it. I don't, yeah, it's it's just like forgetting my own name, really. <laughs> yeah, totally the same. Yeah. We've um, been doing this for 35 years. How You're 35. I'm 35, yeah. It's precious. And you're 30... I don't talk about it. Eight? Yeah, no. Seven. I don't really know for sure. I think I'm going to be, I will be 38 in a month. In June. Two. Yeah. Okay, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I know you're like three years older, but you haven't hit the three yet. The three. Years older yet. Uh, my birthday was in March. So right. I always think like oh, you're three yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah, looking okay. at the numbers. We're math people. Yeah, obviously. Uh, Lara currently has a <laughs> s- a sock on her head. Uh, the these headphones we're wearing it helps you listen. Like when we're recording the podcast, it helps you hear each other's voice. And her head is too small for headphones. I have just like the in head general, of a toddler. Just these head. Yeah. And um, we had to wrap a sock around the top of her headphones. We'll post it to Instagram so you guys can see it. But um, it's very attractive. It's pretty great. It's like a fruit by the foot. <laughs> it's hard to talk there. to you seriously, but I'm just considering it more hair. Yeah, like it's a, it's it looks kind of like a bun. Does it though? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Black sweat socks Black and my s- curly. Yeah. Jerry curls right. dangling. Um. Question for you. When you were in, I was going to say in high school, but I think it started earlier than that. Um, chapstick. Oh. When you didn't have, see those coming. I actually was more chapstick. Or, <laughs> yes, it was chapstick. It was more in high school because uh, I don't remember using chapstick in middle school. Maybe uh, I just didn't think of I did. it. All right. Maybe it's a guy thing. Yeah. But when you'd go, people would ask you, Still do. Hey, anyone have chapstick? And there'd be a girl that you liked. Yes. And she would be like, "Anyone have chapstick?" And you'd be like, "I do," because you want her. To, <laughs> you want her to use your chapstick, right? Did it's you the closest you could get to making out with her? Yeah. Yeah. And then you'd you'd make sure you were the next one to use that. Yeah, you're not so, communal chapsticking after the love of your life has. Right. Yeah, for sure. Somebody asked for if they could use chapstick earlier this week, and that was the first thing I thought of remembering. Were you in love with this? No, I don't even remember who it was with. I just <laughs> remember, child? like, no, I was probably, like, 16. Okay. Um, I mean, currently, when somebody asked for chapstick. Oh, I asked you no. for chapstick. <laughs> no, it was at church, and it was oh. on the worship team. And when you're singing a lot, you need, like, your mouth yeah. gets dry, and, and people were asking for chapstick. And um, I just remembered... You know, being back in high school and thinking, oh, yeah, I remember there was like that girl you like, you hoped she used your chapstick. Yeah. Was that a guy thing or was that girls wanting guys to use the chapstick too? Um, I don't ever recall wanting a guy or to use Or is that a creepy thing? I don't have any recollection. I think that there's probably more of a guy thing. Okay. Yeah, because I don't ever think of, I think of the boys I went to school with. I can't think of an. You don't want their lips on your chapstick. No. 
no, no, I don't want your little prepubescent mustache yeah. anywhere near my Dr. Pepper oh, lip smackers. No. Anyway, we'll move on from that. That got weird. <laughs> so last week we were talking about, well, we were just going back and forth with some questions. Um, what to do, what not to do, what to say or not say. I think there's a lot of questions about grief and from something like this that is so life-altering, where where does someone even go about moving? I want to say moving forward. It's not moving on because yeah. you never really move on, right? Yeah. From something that, that happens like that. is And is there guilt in feeling like you're moving on but also dealing with grief and moving forward so that you don't have to be under the weight of grief your whole life? Mm-hmm. How does... How did you at least navigate that? Yeah, because I do think it's different for every person. But I know for me, um, again, I was like immature and young. And so I was viewing this through the lens of a child. And I know that for me, I did feel a lot of that survivor's guilt. And I think people assume that survivor's guilt is associated with somebody who was there for an incident or like could have prevented it or something like that. Mm. And that's not really the case. People feel survivor's guilt because they survived and the other person didn't. Mm. It doesn't mean you were even real. It had nothing to do with the actual incident itself. It's more that, you know, for me, he was so Adam, my brother, Adam was so beloved Mm -hmm. that, and he was so special and for me, I was like, not really at all is how I felt. And no. so there was, when people would say good things about my brother, I would often hear, it should have been you. And nobody was saying that to right. me. Right. I mean, certainly not my parents by any stretch. But I felt that. I felt a pressure. I felt when I turned 17, when I turned 17 in however many months where I was officially, I had outlived my mm. big brother, my hero. I had this sense of like, well, now what? What are you going to do? Right. And I felt like I had I had pre-failed because I had already I was already not as great as he was, and so there was this pressure to be remarkable and to be like him and to do something really special with my life and. That I just I already always had this kind of cloud of like you'll never be enough because he would have been so great, and you know so you feel guilty you feel like it should have been you which is is uh it's like bad math yeah you know like this plus this doesn't necessarily equal that like him being great plus me not getting a four point four GPA does not equal. I should have died. Right. It just is like how you add it up in your life, you know? From the aerial view, it's like that's ridiculous to think. But when you're of in course, it. Of course, but when you're in it. So how did you not, how did you get out of that? Oh, I love that the assumption here is that I got out of that. <laughs> how are you, st- how I are love you that currently optimism. <laughs> dealing with that? No, I did, I feel like I did get out of it. And doing Adam's acts, which like we kind of talked a little bit about this, but not really what Adam's X is. Most people who are listening probably already know, but for those of you who are like just tuning in, um, basically what we did was we did, I started doing these 31 days of kindness in the month of October in memory of my brother, Adam. Um, we sort of believe that these are the types of things he would have spent his life doing mm. had it not been cut short. And so 
what I did was I I kind of always felt like, well, I always wanted to be like him. So this is my opportunity. Like I'll I'll be like him now and I'll do these really great things, small things and sometimes medium things <laughs> in his memory. And doing that really, I mean, I've done a lot of things, not me that I've done these great things, but a lot of things that my life is pretty, I think it's m- remarkable. Mm-hmm. You know, my, I look at my kids and I look at the things that um, we've overcome or things that we've taught them to do and who they are. And I'm like, no, my life is remarkable. Right. And um, so th- I think that is that helps. And doing Adam's acts and kind of walking through the grief process and kind of releasing and really being honest about some of the things I felt guilty about or mm. some of the things that I had to kind of release, just things that I now view as sort of like silly mm. were really hard for me to process when I was right. little. So I went skiing with some friends uh, on Adam's last birthday, his 17th birthday. Mm. I, of course, had no way of knowing that it would be his last birthday. Mm. Um, I went skiing with friends who were in trouble um, had like, and kind of weren't allowed to hang out with each other. And so I, they were allowed to hang out with me cause I was kind of like a goody goody at the time. Yeah. And so they made, each of them respectively made plans with me to go skiing so that they could hang out. Mm. And I didn't really know that at the time. And so I look back and I'm like, oh man, I was like, I freaking sold out my brother's Aww. last birthday to be kind of like. Not really even with friends, but so that they right, could hang out. And right. and I don't blame them. Like, they were kids, whatever. It's not about that. It's more like this sense of I hated myself for that for so long. And mm. now I look back and I'm like, I was also, like, we were just a bunch of tools trying yeah, to figure know. it out. We didn't know. Yeah. But for a long time, and I've actually, don't know if I've ever even told anyone this before. So you're hearing it here first, folks. Give it to us, yeah. <laughs> I, for years, had dreams, not frequently, but whenever I dreamt of Adam, like, it was, I, we were skiing together. Oh. I know. Wow. Yeah, it was really sad. So, but yeah, we, and we had never in real life actually skied together, but right. I went skiing with these friends and I missed his birthday and I know it was some deep sub, sub, subconscious punishment yeah. of myself. Oh my god! But we did, yeah, I had, I would have these dreams and then one time I had a dream and I knew it would be the last time I ever dreamt, dreamt of him. Hmm. And I and we had this conversation. You and Adam. Yes. Wow. And it was like he's like like we're all done skiing now, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And that was it. Wow, that was and the last time you had Yeah, that dream. I've not dreamt of him since. And I sometimes will I will like pray that I get to dream Aww. of him. But yeah, it's not I've not dreamt of him since. But but that would be the only time I ever had dreams with Adam and we were skiing. Was there something that for you, because I think there's like people that have those recurring things. It's like, how do I stop that? Or whether you like the skiing dreams or you don't or whatever that is for someone, how did you find yourself like getting, was there something that you think happened that made that stop? Or how were you, how were you actually 
like moving forward right i think that i and this might this is different for everybody but for me i had to stay say stuff out loud Mm -hmm. and i'm obnoxious so when i say it out loud i say it on a podcast or in a blog to thousands of readers naturally so yeah like process it with you with forty thousand of your closest friends Mm -hmm. yeah most from boardman oregon yeah we'll get to that some other (laughs) time we will yeah yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I think saying it out loud to somebody, it doesn't really have to be to everybody. But for me, I had to say it out loud. I had to admit it. I had to process it. It's finding those like available people like we talked about last podcast yeah. that are just there for you. Yeah, and just somebody who can just be a non-judgmental presence mm-hmm. and listen mm-hmm. and un- understand and kind of carry it with you and absorb a little bit of it for you and with you. And giving you permission to feel the thing you feel. Like when people say, well, it wasn't your fault. Why do you have survivor's guilt? That's not helpful. Yeah. What helps is saying, I can understand how you heard all these great things. And then even if it's bad math or whatever, like I understand how it added up to you as something that was uh, painful to carry. So just being able to say it out loud and release it. Hmm. For me, like saying neurotic things out loud, then I'm done. Mm -hmm. I can just be like, kind of feeling like you hate me because I said this thing. Like, "Ah." (laughs) And then I just need, I don't even need someone to say, no, I don't hate you. I just needed to say, I feel like you hate me. And then I'm done. I'm over it. Right. But I have to say it out loud, Hmm. which is the worst. I wish I weren't a verbal processor because I wish I could just be like, what I'm going to do is logically sort through this thing <laughs> and I don't have to embarrass myself and be vulnerable, but that's just not who I am. And I have no interest. I, I, I carried it alone for so long. I have no interest in doing that anymore. So my advice to people who are trying to move forward with something in their life is to be vulnerable and to be honest. And most people struggle to do that because if you're in a place where you're stuffing or numbing or hiding or carrying it yourself, mm-hmm. it's because you've been so deeply hurt, mm-hmm. either by life or by a person. And so the last thing you want to do is be vulnerable. But it's the only way through it is truly through it, like the slow trudge of like uprooting and like going through it. You have to go through it. And going through it just means processing it. If you're medicating some other way by what, it, yeah. what drinking through... Yeah, sex, uh, relationships, and, chasing yeah, the next the thing. The list goes on, right? Yeah, exercise, binge-watching Netflix, eating, mm-hmm. not eating. Sure, you know, whatever sure. it is that you're using to control and medicate and mm-hmm. numb it will always... It will just repress it, but it will. it's not going away. Yeah. So I think, like... And I've noticed that just in my life that I get I get sick if I don't like physically I get mm-hmm. sick if I'm not expressing it verbally or otherwise like in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. It's it's still there, right? So, so what that would be my question of as a thirty eight in June uh, year old. You used to say thirty seven. Uh, just like settle into thirty seven until yeah, yeah. June. As a real young thirty seven. <laughs> How do you? Uh, how are you still processing that now? What are the biggest things that you're like? Is there anything that you're thinking like, gosh, I feel like I should be past this point, mm-hmm. uh, or are you good where you're at now, and are you progressing to where you want to be? Yeah, as it relates to Adam, I do feel like really good. Um, I kind of this 
uh, uh, not this year. This year was kind of crazy. I was really sick and had a number yep. of other things going on in October. But th- but last year, I kind of felt like this shift where I'm like, oh, I'm doing Adam's acts and I'm blogging through grief. I'm no, I no longer felt like I was doing that for me. I felt like I was doing that for other people. I felt like I was doing it for my family because wow. it's so meaningful and so special to see just all of these people doing these really amazing acts of kindness in memory of Adam and because of his life they've been inspired to do great things. Wow. So I, I so yeah, I feel like it was I was doing that more for my family, especially for my mom. I think that was really powerful and I think healing for her. Yeah. Um I think if you if you lose a child and then you know like 20 years later there are th- literally thousands of people people on every continent know your child's name and are doing amazing acts of kindness in his memory because they're inspired by his life. Like how healing and how amazing just to know that he wasn't forgotten. Not only was he not forgotten, but he's still changing lives, like inspiring people. I think that's, that's been really healing and helpful and powerful for my family. That being said, I also think it's, it's been helpful for other people. I mean, my, my, Inboxes flooded with people who are sharing very personal things during the month of October and how it's impacted them and given them the courage to share that they had an abortion that they never told anybody about or that they've been carrying the weight of some sort of private shame or private grief that they never really told anybody about or that they've told people about but they just haven't really they feel dumb that they're still processing it or they're still grieving and just hearing someone say, yes, no, still, I still feel sad about a thing that happened when I was 11. Yeah. Yet still just giving permission to people to say, yeah, still, I still feel that way. Um, so, but it became, I realized last year that it was a, it was for other people Wow. and not for me, like that I had worked through enough of it to feel like, I decompressed that enough to feel like I could <laughs> unleash all my other baggage. So that's <laughs> been fun. So yeah, so as it relates to Adam, I do feel like I've been able to move forward in a really healthy and productive way. But I, I think, I believe it's a lifelong process and I think it can be and should be a lifelong thing. Yeah, You don't ever stop loving that person. And so you don't stop grieving that person. It looks differently over time and you get used to a new normal and all these things. And there comes a point where you've, you have been without that person longer than you were with that person. Mm. And that's like, people think, oh, so then it must get easier. It's like, but also sadder in a way. Like that's, it's even more sad when I have kids that don't, they never met their uncle that's sad Mm -hmm. so like the birth of a child yes it moves you forward in some ways but also in another way it makes you more sad opens a whole new layer of it yeah like a whole there's a whole other arena of my life that he doesn't know about or like he he's not involved in and so that's sad um but that being said i think that i got to a place where or i have gotten to a place where I feel like I've moved forward in really positive and productive ways. And for me, that was in externalizing it instead of making myself sick by keeping it in and just giving myself permission to really enjoy my life and celebrate big things and feel good about things, but without 
feeling like I have to pretend that that there isn't this other dark, sinister grief that exists. Like, I think those things, like, it's not mutually exclusive. Like, I think those things can exist, coexist. They must coexist for it to be anything real. Mm, That's good. Wow. (laughs) Thank you for that approval. You're welcome. (laughs) Hey, this was good. We're excited for next week. And, um... We're always excited for next week. If you're not if you're not doing next week, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> He's done. Everyone's got a next week. Maybe yeah. not. If you don't, then that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Better. That's why you can't feel bad about getting old. Like, yeah, okay, so I'm almost 38. Like, how bad can you feel about that? You got to feel great about yeah. it. Live Aging 38. means you're you survived another year. Yeah. I'll take it. It's awesome. Well, give, give us a call, y'all. <laughs> Yeah, y'all, give us a call at 585-210-3036. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, concerns, anything. And uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Bye.